Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Bears beats The Office on Peacock. Stream every moment from Dunder Mifflin and explore bonus extras and exclusives. Plus, if you're looking for more classic hits, you can stream every episode of Parks and Recreation, Two and a Half Men, and every season of SNL. In the mood for something brand new? Check out Peacock's original comedies, The Amber Ruffin Show, and Saved by the Bell. Whether you're craving a new binge or familiar fave, you can find tons of comedy hits on Peacock. Get started for free at PeacockTV.com. It's still real to me, damn it, damn it. Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Still Real Tush Show, episode number 616 for December 2nd, 2021. This is your NXT War Games preview and predictions edition of SRTU. I'm one half of the show. I am Jeff Pack, joined every single week by co-host, the one and only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, welcome to the most fabulous time of the year, my friend. Oh, man, you're going to make my inner Grinch come out because this is my least favorite time of the year. I, I mean, I, I absolutely just watch my bank account slowly dwindle down uh, throughout these months. So I'm, I'm glad you're excited. I mean, you, you do look like an elf. I look like Angry Santa. So I guess we are kind of a festivist type tandem here. But, yeah, this is my least favorite time of the year. Yeah, if they were going to recast Bad Santa, I think it would be you and I, right? <laughs> I think so. Although, if if you were a bit shorter, you'd True. be a great elf. Um, but yeah, like I mean, actually, I think uh, coming up in uh, not you know just out of the out of the blue, we in about three weeks, uh, I'll be playing Santa probably at Rocket City again, like I did last year. So yeah, I mean, I've already got a suit. Jeff. I'm prepared for this. Is this breaking news right now? <laughs> well, we did it last year, and, and although I haven't been asked, because typically I just tell. Barry Koloff, I'm like, listen, uh, I'm going to be Santa uh, the show before Christmas. And he goes, okay, we'll charge for pictures. So that's how we work it. Oh, wait, you're not in character? You're legitimately playing a Santa Claus for, like, the children? Yeah, I did it last year at Rocket City. So, like, actually, like, my, because uh, we had the, because last year, because of the pandemic, you know, most people couldn't get out and take their kids to go see Santa for pictures. So I was like, well, the people who come to our show, they bring their kids We'll just do pictures with Santa at Rocket City. So I bought a Santa suit and I played Santa. So Santa was the guest GM for the show, and I just kind of figured out like we haven't discussed it yet uh, with Rocket City, but I just figured uh, 
not this coming up show, but the, the 18th of December, we'll probably just do the same thing. See, it's funny now. This is, this is like the two sides of Dr. Troy Franklin. Like, I'm with you. Um, I did a bunch of Christmas shopping this past weekend. So Black Friday, Cyber Monday here in the United States. Uh, big times of the year for sales, for, for Christmas shopping, holiday shopping, whatnot. Um, I bought a brand new television from uh, Best Buy on Saturday. And I did probably, I want to say I'm like 95% done with my Christmas shopping. And I just get like Christmas gifts for like my immediate family, my parents, my my girlfriend, my brother, uh, my grandmother. And that's that's really it. I don't go outside that norm there. But I'm pretty much done. And I'll be completely honest with you, Dr. Trey. Um, I do not like looking at my bank account this time of year. Like I completely avoid it. I don't like looking at my credit card account either because it's just it's a bit depressing i mean it's nice to buy nice gifts for friends and family but oh, man does it it takes a takes a little dent out of the old uh the old wallet oh yeah so for me from the end of october through valentine's day so i have my wife and my stepson's birthday is the week before halloween uh, my stepmom's birthday is the first week of November. Then this year we bought all the food for Thanksgiving. Now we have Christmas. Then come January, I have my daughter's birthday and Sammy's birthday. And then we have Valentine's day. So typically so what we, yeah, every, every, every major holiday that I pay for is cooped up into the, this, this window right here. So, oh, like I said, I, I, I love playing santa but when you get santa's bill yeah it, it just kicks you in the butt so are you, do you do you think a gofundme you think i mean that's what people do right uh yeah i, I mean but the problem like then it's like i have the next eight months the only holiday i gotta buy anything for is mother's day and that usually lands on my birthday so my mom and i basically just kind of trade gifts back and forth we break even there and then i have my anniversary in june this so is this is depressing once I get past February 14th, man, I'm good for eight months. <laughs> it's just that this window right here is like, hey, I know you worked your tail off all year, but by the uh, by Valentine's Day, you'll be broke again. Now, this I'm getting like a Clark Griswold deal. You're like you're waiting for that big bonus, and like that's what you're banking on the entire time, and, and it just turns out it's, what is it, like a ham of the month or something? So, you know, the job I had with the, the company I worked for, you know, early on, like last year when I started, I mean, I was working 15, 18 hour days. And the selling point was, hey, you know, you make a good salary, but at the end of the year, you get a big percentage of your profits. And, you know, like there are branches, I kid you not, Jeff, like our office in Seattle, the person who had my job in Seattle, their bonus this year was $30,000, <sighs> right? My bonus for being in that position for a year was $675. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm kind of glad I switched roles because, I mean, although I'm making a little less money, I have way less stress and I don't have to beat myself up for an entire year for 600 bucks. So, you know, like it, it was it was a nice little gift. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, that Seattle job. And one of my good friends has the same job in Chicago. His bonus was like fifteen thousand dollars. And I'm like, they're like, what was your bonus? I'm like six hundred seventy five dollars. So and they're like, oh, you, you forgot to type another zero. Do you have a zero there? No, no, no. Like, and, and even our general manager, who I love the guy to death, he's fantastic. You know, and he stays stressed out. His bonus was like eighteen hundred bucks because <laughs> you know I was like, 
yeah, we really worked way too hard for that little bit of a bonus. But uh, COVID, I mean, right? Point, That's what it comes down to. It's just COVID's fault. Yeah, at, at this point, I would have taken the ham of the month club. So that might have been a better gift. So this is what Dr. Trey loves this time of the year. I think that's the, the summing it up, right? That's summing up of all parts. Yeah, and then plus uh, here in about a couple of weeks, you're going to make me listen to my voice again from last year. And that's my absolute favorite show of the year. So. That's when you say you sound like Kermit the Frog, right? Yeah, although, uh, and, and I'll be posting it to our page here shortly, uh, I got the audio, I got the, the show from... Uh, two Saturdays ago where I did all the ring announcing, the GM duties, and the commentary. They they finally got everything processed. Uh, and I listened to it back, and I was like, man, I actually don't sound that bad uh, on commentary this week. So I'll be posting that to our SRTU page uh, probably later tonight so that people can watch it this weekend uh, and literally critique me, and they can hear Kermit call wrestling for uh, two and a half hours. All right, Kermit the Frog and Dr. Trey Franklin doing commentary at Rocket City Championship Wrestling. Uh, first and foremost, before we open up uh, and get to it on this week's edition of the show, I'd like to shout out EJ Reed at EJ underscore Reed, R-E-E-D, on Twitter. He wrote, uh, to my number one podcast of 2021, The Still Realta Show, at the Jeff Pack, at the Dr. Trey. Thank you for keeping me company on Spotify all year long. Part of Spotify's un- uh, Spotify's Wrapped for a top podcast. So we're the number one podcast uh, in EJ Reed. He shared that with us on Twitter. That was really cool, man, to me. I, I know, uh, you know, we're not like a huge wrestling podcast, but to the fact that we're somebody's number one podcast that they listen to uh, is, is a, is a huge honor to me, Dr. Trey. I mean, for people to dedicate their time to listen to us, uh, bitch and complain and scratch our heads and have fun being wrestling fans each and every week. That, that was pretty cool to me. So shout out to EJ Reed. Yeah, we've been doing this show so very long. Like, I, I don't know about you, but even now, we'll get that random, you know, Twitter mention or that random Instagram post, and we're like, I, I just go, I can't believe people after all these years still go, man, I really got to hear what Doctor Jeff or Doctor Trey and Jeff say. I, it just blows me away that people still listen after this long because it, we do it. We don't make any money off it. We just is because we're two guys that love wrestling and love talking about it, interacting with our fans, but. It, it's still such an honor when somebody goes, man, I've been listening to you guys for seven years or I, I, I've mm-hmm. been, I just heard you guys heard you guys for the first time and you guys are great. And I'm telling my friends about it. Like it, it's such an honor and a privilege to, to get those, especially this time of year when we're all kind of beaten down and shell shocked from the sheer amount of wrestling we've had to go through with COVID and everything else this year. Yeah. I mean, we're coming up in three months for two years of, you know, living in this pandemic world that we have been. And we've seen the highs and the lows of this past year, getting wrestling fans back in the stands, seeing CM Punk back in professional wrestling, um, rain delays and WrestleMania. So for the fact that somebody out there, like we're the number one podcast out of the millions of other things they could be listening to is a really cool honor. Uh, we've been doing it for 12 years. Um, you know, each and every year, I, I, I never know how much longer we're going to keep doing it because Dr. Trey and I are getting older. Uh, with families and Dr. Trey spending four months of his time trying to buy gifts from uh, October to February. But uh, to EJ Reed and everybody out there, thank you. I'm sure this will be a big month of thank yous to everybody as we wrap up 2021. But uh, very cool to see that on Twitter. Thank you for sharing that, EJ. It meant, uh, meant a lot to us, so thank you very much. Um, kicking it off here on this week's edition of the show, Dr. Trey. We didn't get a chance to talk about it on last week's podcast because uh, it was in the can on Tuesday, ready to go on Thursday. 
because we were not going to record late Wednesday night before holiday on Thanksgiving. So therefore, we missed CM Punk versus MJF's War of Words segment from last week's Dynamite. Uh, it was like 20 minutes long, and people are eating it up. I've watched it only once, and I thought it was very good. Uh, before we start peeling it apart a little bit, your initial thoughts as we finally got to see CM Punk and MJF go at it in the ring verbally. So once again, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I didn't get this. I've only seen it once, and I didn't get to see it live. I kind of heard people hyping it up. I found it, watched the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, it was good. I, I, I don't know if it was my it's my favorite promo battle of all time or the greatest thing I ever heard, but yeah, it was pretty it was pretty good. Uh, it was enjoyable, and there was some little bit of pot shots in there, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's you know a couple clever lines and things like that, but I, I don't know if I put it as the greatest promo battle of all time, but you know for for what we have when it comes to promos and in wrestling, it, it was it was pretty good. Yeah, there are a lot of people that are hyping it up, I think, a little bit too much. Uh, I, I agree with that. I don't think it was the greatest back and forth I've ever seen of all time. Um, however, it was very good. I actually thought the things that MJF were saying was a little bit more realistic and to the point and hurtful towards CM Punk than what CM Punk was saying. Uh, I think the low blow to Miz, maybe on the minority on this one, I, I, I just don't like that crap anymore. Like, I think Miz gets a really bad rap for because he's like an outsider and he's been a punching bag and a joke from a lot of wrestlers and wrestling fans for a long time but to me at this point in time dr trey like the guy has earned a ton of respect from professional wrestling fans so i thought that was like a really weak thing i understand the comparisons of miz and mjf because they are similar uh, more mjf obviously maybe molding himself to be like a miz rather than the other way around but um i thought the the pg punk stuff the um the robotic of, you know, gosh, it's so great to be in Enter City here. And Brown nosing everybody has, has kind of been the the issues that we've had with CM Punk since his return. Like, I, I'm very, you know, happy that he's back. But I think in the first three months of him back here, it's not the CM Punk we know and love from when he was last year. And that's been accustomed to getting used to. He's having longer matches with people um, that on paper and in our minds don't deserve to be in the ring with him for that long and, and putting it to him like a Lee Moriarty and, and QT Marshall. And they're bringing up a lot of things that uh, fans are saying on the internet. I think about CM Punk or feelings about CM Punk as a wrestling fan uh, thus far. So I thought MJF stuff definitely hit a little bit harder. I thought the CM Punk stuff was uh, somewhat of a layup, but there was obviously truth to it, which makes a great segment. But do I think it's the greatest back and forth of all time? No, but it it was very good. And 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 the real the, the thing is, is that there was a lot of truth to what MJF was saying about about CM Punk right now. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, a couple things. So for me, I didn't take the Miz line as a dig at Miz. Um, because I think what he was trying to say was, <clears throat> you know, all I've heard is how great of a promo you are. And in reality, you know, Miz, you're just less famous. Miz, Miz is great on the mic. We all know that. And MJF is great on the mic, but you know, he's less famous than Miz. Obviously I, I didn't take it as a complete shot at Miz. I think it took a more of a dig at MJF, not being as good as Miz overall. Um, I, I, I thought MJF's, a lot of his stuff was kind of, I don't, I don't want to say it was kind of 
there's elements of cheesiness and cheap shots, like cheap one-liners, not well thought out, but then he had a couple of really good singers. I thought the, you know, come out here being straight edge, looking like a meth addict, was a great line. Because, um, honestly, he's not entirely wrong in that statement. Um, the punk stuff, I thought, was, was well done, too. I just... I'm with you. I don't like zinging the other competition. Uh, you know, when, when MJF got into the whole, you know, you can't see me, all that stuff, but I can see you, all that stuff. I was like, yeah, I just, to me, taking the shot at WWE right now is still kind of unnecessary. You don't need to go there. We all know, if you're a wrestling fan, you know the history. You don't need to really bring that up. Focus on what we're doing in AEW, not what he's done in the past. Um, like that's, and that's kind of where I was like, yeah, it was good, but it was, you know, the brown nosing stuff, you know, uh, the PG, like even saying PG punk, like, and then repeating it over and over again, I thought that's just kind of lame to me, you know, but it, it was still good because I think you can say that a lot of the other promos we see aren't good. So by proxy, it was, you know, very good to a lot of fans because this is not the attitude era where, you know, 80% of the promos felt real and non-sticky and that's what we know everything's has been watered down over the last year especially with wwe so we see a good promo in comparison we almost analyze it as being a great promo do you think mjf could be the lightning bolt that kind of gets cm punk out of uh, for lack of better terms this malaise a little bit where he shakes the cobwebs and we start seeing cm punk firing on all cylinders coming out of, uh, you know, this seven-year absence for professional wrestling, shaking the cobwebs a little bit, getting the sea legs underneath him in the ring on the microphone. Do you think MJF could be the person that catapults CM Punk back to that, uh, you know, the CM Punk that we know and love from seven years ago? I mean, I hope so. On paper, yeah, because the one thing we always talked about, the history of wrestling for every great baby face, there's a heel who brings it out of him. Uh, and we've seen MJF do this a couple times. We saw it with the stuff with Jericho. You've seen Jericho since MJF, and he just kind of feels a little flat. You know, we've seen it with a little bit of MJF and Moxley, you know, last year. It, it seemed fresh and then revitalized Moxley for a little bit. And then when Moxley moved on, he kind of felt flat again. This is that same thing where maybe this can get Punk fired up and bring out the best in Punk, and we see the Punk we know and love. I mean, I thought the line on Wednesday night when he talked about putting Larry to sleep, I thought, I'm like, damn, like, like how? Like what? Like you have to really trust the guy you're in the ring promoing with that he's not going to hit a hot button, that he's not going to say something that pushes you into a shoot, not the work. And you know, you talk about putting somebody's dog down, and we all, if you know, if you're a fan of CM Punk, you know how much he loves Larry. Uh, you know, that was like I would have slid out of the ring and come after your ass too if you made a comment about my dog. Um, you can talk. You can call me a meth head all day, but you talk about my dog, we're going to fight. So I'm hoping that, you know, th this kind of stuff is what's going to bring that fire out of, of punk and we're not trapped in another punk hob dispute or something again. Did you find it funny, though, that he, that MJF is taking shots that he wants to, that CM Punk wants to sleep with Britt Baker and he doesn't get as hot as he does about, you know, him disrespecting MJF, disrespecting CM Punk being married to AJ Lee, which we all know. But the Larry line is like what set him over the edge to go up the ramp? Um, no, because I'm pretty sure, like, listen, for one, like, uh, so if you're married to somebody like AJ, and, and I'm not saying my wife is as hot as AJ Lee, but my wife's a tough broad. 
And if a guy throws a shot at her, she'll just come out and punch him in the face. But, you know, my dog is my best friend, and my dog's not really going to be able to defend himself. So now you, you talk about my dog, we, we're going to have to fight. So that's, a, you know, if, if you talk about my wife, my wife will just come down and punch you in the face. And I'm pretty sure that's kind of where punks said, like, <laughs> you want to insult my wife. AJ's a better wrestler. I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, you're just mad that my wife, who's been retired for five years, is a better wrestler than you were. You know, that's an easy comeback. But you insult my dog, man, we, we're going we're gonna to go at it now. And I think yeah. a lot of punks, like, a lot of... Guys who love wrestling usually, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Jeff, do you have a dog? I do, I do have a dog. Yeah, I got one uh, last last year, November twenty twenty. But, but is it your dog or is it yours and your girlfriend? It's dog? mine and my girlfriend's. But I, I, I work from home still every day, and uh, it's you know I take care of a good portion of the dog. But it is definitely our dog. Yeah. So most guys who have that dog, that's their friend. They can you can kind of understand. It's like. You know, my wife can take care of herself, but you insult my dog. That's like insulting one of my kids, and you know, then we can we can have issues. And when you're a punk, punk doesn't have any kids. Him and AJ have no kids. Larry is their kid, so it's not just a dog. That's their kid you're talking about. It kind of goes to a different level. All right, so so rate the segment, Doctor Trey. So we always do, you know, the pay per view rating point something between one and five. Where are you rating it, one to five? The points together that we typically give for pay per views. I mean, it was probably a four. Wow, four point like, even. Yeah, to me, I mean, four is like that's B pretty good. A. I mean, is is that B plus A minus? I think that to me, that's more like B plus. Yeah, yeah. So like, like that's to say, like it's it's a B plus. I mean, is it? You know, it's not on the level of some of Rock's best stuff. It's not pipe bomb level. It's not you know the five point I mean, it's not Richter scale. I still thought it was really good, especially for this era and what's around it. It was really entertaining and really good. I just, like I said, I'm never going to put it on that elite level status. I'm just, it's not the first rock, time Rock said SmackDown, Candy Ass, you know, all that stuff. The stuff that's lived on for generations. It's not pipe bomb level, but it, it's still pretty good. And I think some of these lines we will remember five or six years from now. Is MJF one of the best promo guys in the business right now? Uh, once again, when he's on, you know, it's kind of like punk. And you and I have talked about since Punk came back. Some of the promos Punk's cut have not been great. Um, but when he's motivated, he's on. Yeah, I mean, he's top top eight, top ten in in the world. So, I mean, that's pretty good because I mean, there are how many wrestlers there are out there. Um, I don't know how many promos. I, I mean, right now, I, would, I he might be in my – he might crack my top six if I actually sat down and analyzed it. Top six right now. Yeah, not of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's yeah. he's had to go toe to toe with some of the best on the stick ever, like Jericho, who has obviously had his reps. Like he hasn't really taken a break off, you know, the last ten plus years now. Punk obviously is one of the best on the stick, but he's been gone for seven years. Like they're putting him in positions to be successful and try to become one of the best on the stick, and he certainly hangs with them. But I yeah. I think the part that you're bringing up that, to me, definitely rings true. Like, we're starting to put MJF at this higher echelon, and sometimes his comments fall a little bit flat, and they're a little bit corny, right? Like, I think, to me, the best promo guys I've ever seen is Piper and The Rock. From an insult perspective, The Rock, bar none. And I always felt like when Rock said something, and maybe this is me being a Rock homer, he he never fell short. 
I think MJF falls short sometimes, and it gets a little bit too corny and cringeworthy. We're like, uh, that probably didn't hit as well as he probably thought it could have. Yeah, I mean, even the line leading up to the brown note, you know, where he's like, you know, ooh, what's that smell? Oh, that's your breath. It smells like shit because your nose is so far up Tony's ass. You know, like, I'm like, it took all of that, which was kind of cheesy, to basically get to the brown noser part. Like, that that stuff was a little bit, you know, it was a little bit cheesy, a little bit corny to get to that. And it was also, it felt so, like, there were certain parts in his promo that felt very scripted. Like, ooh, I have to use this line somewhere. I have to use this line. It didn't seem as quick-witted or off-the-cuff as maybe Piper is, Rock is, Dusty was. You know, some of those guys, like the elite promo guys of all time. But when you look at what's out there right now, I can still take a bad MJF promo over 80% of what's out there in the wrestling world because it's still going to be somewhat entertaining and still be better than most. It's just that we're starting to hype him up so much that when he has a lackluster promo, it really stands out. Just like you and I critiquing CM Punk over these three months. We know how good Punk can be when he's on and he's motivated. And there was a lot of time here the last three months where it was kind of flat and just going through the motions. So when you start putting MJF on the Jericho levels, the Punk levels, those guys, when you when he kind of just goes through the motions, for lack of a better term, when he has that malaise to him, it just falls flat and we're kind of bummed out and let down by the promo. All right, last thing here. Uh, next week, MJF. Or this Wednesday, I should say, MJF is going to compete into the uh, the third annual uh, Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal match. Uh, the final two battle it out two weeks from from now. At uh, Winter is Coming event, when do you book CM Punk versus MJF? Because to me, I'm like, this is potentially leading up to Winter is Coming. Like I could see Punk cost MJF in the Battle Royal. They'd go with MJF CM Punk two weeks from now. And then it's like, do you, but if they don't do it then, do they do it for like the Battle of the Belts special that's supposed to be taking place in January? Or do you really hold off until you do Revolution in late February, early March? Like, when do you execute on Punk versus MJF at this point? Uh, I hold off on it as long as possible. And I think we got a glimpse of the next stage on Dynamite when Agreed. Warlow when Wardlow came out and got between. Agreed, yep. Because then you, you can stretch it out a little bit longer. That, And then not to mention, you still have the rest of the group. He can still have to go through Sean Spears. We can show Sean Spears using the chair. I mean, if we have Punk and Wardlow, Sean Spears gets involved. Now you got to get Punk through Spears to get there. So you can drag it out a while. And, and kind of, I mean, I don't think it needs to go as long as Hangman Omega, you know, but you can drag this out until your next big pay-per-view event and not give it away for free TV. I mean, if you put it on pay-per-view, you're going to get buy rates because people are going to want to see Punk beat the living hell out of MJF because that's what makes a great heel. We just want to see that guy get his ass whooped. Um, and we saw it with Jericho and MJF, and we've seen it with Moxley and MJF. Like, those buy rates are a little bit higher when MJF's fighting somebody that we all want to see that guy beat his ass. So... I would hold off on it as long, whenever the next actual pay-per-view is, which with their schedule, I have no idea when it is. Uh, I would hold off on it as long as possible. Uh, let's see if this changes your mind a little bit here, because AEW Dynamite, according to reports, has drawn their lowest rating since May 
Wondering once again if that post-all-out momentum is gone for AEW. This comes to us from Wrestling Inc. Wednesday's live AEW Dynamite drew 861,000 viewers on TNT, according to Showbuzz. Daily, this is down 4.12% from last week's Thanksgiving Eve episode, which drew 898,000 viewers. This week's Dynamite drew the lowest normal time slot viewership since May 19th, and the key demo rating tied with last week's show for the lowest since May 19th. The number of viewers in the 18-49 demo was also the lowest since May 19th. Dynamite still has not cracked 1 million viewers since the show started airing live on the West Coast on October 27th. Wednesday's viewership was down 4.12%, as I previously stated from last week, while the 18-49 to 49 key demo rating was equal with last week's show. So, Dr. Trey, they're going backwards, not forwards. I just asked you, do you save it for Punk MJF for television, or do you save it for a pay-per-view? Does the report I just told you, does that change your mind at all on when AEW may execute that match? Uh, does it change my mind on when AEW might do it? Maybe. Does it change my mind on how I would do it? No. I still hold off for the pay-per-view buy. Um, because it's not like you went from like 800000 to 600000 You were still in that eight to 900000 range, really. I mean, you're not a ton of drops. And you want this to build. Because this is what made WWE great back in the Etude era was it was the build to that big match and the stuff that the guys were doing back and forth week after week after week, which made for compelling television. So now you get the viralness from what happened last week. You get what happened this week. Let that stuff build out, and then people start talking about it, and then people tune in to see what Punk's going to say next, what MJF is going to say next, what they do to each other, how is this going to play out. You create that intrigue, and then that builds your ratings back up because that word of mouth has to get out there. I, it's it's crazy that they, they knee-jerk react so quickly on stuff uh, when it's actually going good. Like, don't don't shoot it yet. Let it build up and then let the crowd get that big payoff at the pay-per-view. All right. So what are your thoughts here about the, uh, the viewership? Uh, we talked about this not too long ago, Dr. Trey. If the momentum from All Out has, has run its course, if it's gone – this is uh, discouraging numbers for AEW. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think they have lost momentum? Do you think it's just a blip in the road? It's a time of the year. Uh, is it very telling for the product? Like, does it make sense to you from what you've seen the last several weeks? What are your thoughts on this entire thing? Because it is extremely discouraging for someone like myself who does enjoy AEW each and every week. Well, I mean, it's, it's a, anytime you have a dip, it's gonna, you're going to go, hey, what are we doing wrong? What's going on here? I mean, in, in this week, I mean, we haven't seen... You know, Hangman Page won the belt, uh, you know, from Kenny not too long ago, and we really haven't seen Hangman in the ring since then. Um, we're building up this Hangman Page Brian Danielson angle, but once again, it's kind of even though Danielson's kind of playing the heel, at the end of the day, it's still babyface versus babyface. Like people love Brian Danielson, people love Hangman Page, uh, so it's not going to generate a lot of buzz because people are kind of split on it. Uh, the MJF CM Punk stuff's only been going on a week. I thought the Rays would have been a little bit closer, but holiday schedule, people traveling, maybe not everybody got back in time Wednesday because last Wednesday night was the was you know either people are home for the holidays or they're already at their destination. Most people traveled on Sunday, but there were some people that took off you know a week and a half for Thanksgiving. So uh, I'll be interested to see what happens next after next week's Dynamite if the Rays creep back up. You can kind of blame the holiday scheduling on it. Uh, and not the product. If the ratings continue to drop down, then you have a product issue, and then all your momentum from All Out is completely shot uh, because you have no real heel to challenge Hangman. You're, you're manufacturing 
uh, a story just because you have a, a plethora of baby faces and not enough heels built up. Yeah, if this was WWE, we'd be saying, well, Hangman's not being successful as a champion right now. I do think it's too early to tell, but it is discouraging, and I do think it's concerning. I don't think AEW has been phenomenal lately, but it's still a very solid, enjoyable show. I don't think it's my number one wrestling show that I watch each and every week. I don't know how you feel differently about that, Dr. Trey. Uh, but this is surprising to see it's going backwards a little bit from a period of time where we're like, this could be the turning point where AEW starts to really, truly challenge WWE for that wrestling throne. Yeah, uh, because one of the things is 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 it, when you don't have writers, I mean, Tony's, you know, we, we've talked about you know, a couple months ago, Tony says he's the stopping point. He, the buck stops with him. He tries to be so fair across the board. And they don't do 50-50 booking like WWE to a degree. But, like, some of these matchups are not maybe on the on the pecking order that you would think of. Like, you know, Punk and, and MJF, yeah, that makes sense. Danielson and Hangman makes sense. But, you know, some of the other feuds in the middle, like, I, I didn't know I wanted to see Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy. And maybe one-on-one, that's fine. But when you factor in the Bucks and then you factor in, you know, Chuck and Wheeler Yuta. That doesn't really seem even. That seems a lot one-sided, and some of the other uh, rivalries do kind of seem one-sided. We just—I mean, we just had Inner Circle versus Dan Lambert. I mean, some of these matchups don't make a lot of sense on paper, but I understand they're trying to build up some of the younger guys. But you're in a business to capitalize on ratings as best you can. You know, there is a, a kind of a hierarchy and a pecking order that people look at when they look at your product, and if you're not capitalizing and making the most intriguing matchups that the casual fan, not just the diehard wants to see, you're not going to get the ratings to jump up as much as you want. What I think I would do right now with AEW Dr. Trey is uh, Hangman Danielson is, is going to run its course here in two weeks' time, less than two weeks' time for winter's coming. I think Hangman retains. I think you start building Hangman to defend the championship at AEW Revolution, and I don't know how they're going to pull it off yet because it goes completely against what they did two years ago. But I think you fully embrace Cody Rhodes as a heel following this match with Andrade where he's like listening to his, you know, in air quotes, your devil wife, Brandy Rhodes, who had him go through the table and, and it's like the devil on his shoulder. Embrace the heel stuff because that's what the fans want to do. It's the number one thing that WWE doesn't listen to is the fans and AEW could. Um, and I think you run with, with Cody Rhodes as a heel. I think you almost would would be really beneficial. I think it would get some eyes to it, and it would, the product would be a little bit hot if he's feuding with Hangman Page. I think to get to that point, my stepping stone would be that you have Cody like team with Eddie Kingston for a little bit. Fans love Eddie Kingston, and then you have Cody turn on him and then lead to uh, some sort of feud with Hangman Page. But I think that could be the direction, Dr. Trey, of uh, of a little bit of savior that gets that, uh, that lightning bolt back underneath it. I think a heel Cody could could really get people uh, very intrigued and interested in AEW in early 2022. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can get your top guys at the top of the card and compelling storylines, you know, people are going to buy into it. The problem is I still with like as much as I love Hangman Page, he's not known to the casual fans. So Hangman has to compete with guys who are known throughout the world. I think the Brian Danielson move makes a lot of sense uh, because if Hangman can beat Brian Danielson, hey, that's a little that's another little feathers cap. Much like we did with Drew McIntyre after he beat Brock Lesnar. 
a lot of the casual fans didn't know about Drew, and they had to build him up by getting wins over the Seth Rollinses, you know, Brock Lesnar's, the Bobby Lashleys, to kind of build him up as being a credible champion. We're seeing a little bit with Big E. You got to do the same thing with Heyman Page, so you need him in there with, you know, the Brian Anderson. The problem is you haven't built up enough heels, so you need a, a, a turn like a Cody. But then if you start turning all your top baby faces heel, you run into the risk of having the same thing happen in reverse where all of a sudden now I got a ton of heels with no baby faces. Um, one angle I would look at is there's the rumor of, you know, Malachi Black forming his own stable, the House of Black, is using that tension that you saw in the Dark Order earlier this year and some of those guys start turning on Hangman Page and then you start building up that way that's allegiance to Malachi Black and then you can build up to Hangman Page Malachi Black who is one of the reasons why Cody started getting so booed is because the fans really react to Malachi. So that's another avenue I would look into, especially if you want to build up two of your younger, more talented guys that you have on this roster, and one guy has a little bit of WWE cred behind him, that's another avenue you can approach. Yeah, interesting point uh, that this is really AW's first homegrown, in air quotes, talent. I mean, the last uh, three previous were folks that we knew in professional wrestling, really. Um I guess you can make a case that Kenny was probably the real first one, but you had Jericho, which was ex-WWE, WCW, Moxley, ex-WWE. You get put the title on Kenny. Uh, Kenny is well-known amongst wrestling fans, but but Hangman really wasn't known by the majority of wrestling fans, maybe just by name value uh, leading up to it. And this is maybe the AW's first true test to see um, if they could get some of these homegrown guys, these pillars, because I consider Hangman part of those pillars group, uh, in AEW, you know, over as as world champions, whether it's MJF, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, or obviously the current champion, Hangman Page. So interesting times for AEW here as we enter the holiday weeks, where uh, where things get a little bit, you know, not as popular. The eyes aren't on there, but they have a big event coming up in two weeks. Like this, even next week's show, this the show in Long Island, New York, is is very intriguing. Dynamite uh, Diamond Battle Royal. We've now seen uh, this will be the third time, but that winter is coming. It was a really, really good television show uh, a year ago and has a lot to live behind it when it was, uh, you know, Sting debuted, Kenny Omega versus Moxley happened. So uh, it's a pretty big deal in two weeks' time for AW, and we'll see what those viewership ratings are once they come in. Uh, switching gears over to WWE, uh, according to Roman Reigns from his promo this past week, Roman Reigns is teasing leaving WWE sooner rather than later. Uh, this comes. This quote comes to us from Wrestling Inc. Uh, on SmackDown this past week. Doctor, uh, excuse me, Doctor Trey Roman Reigns said, "Head of the table, I'm your tribal chief, and I'm the greatest of all time. And when my days are done around here, which could be sooner than later, the whole world will acknowledge me." Early this month, Roman Reigns appeared on the Michael K. Show and commented on a possible move to Hollywood. Quote saying, "We will have to see. I think there's going to be some moves made here pretty soon." Reigns said. There's always speculation and contract talks. All that question of it is, is at my business. People can dive deep enough. I'm sure they can turn enough stones to figure out the time frame. But that is something I definitely wanted to dabble in and gain more experience. I want to use the tools that I've learned. WWE has done so right by me. They've given me so much and placed so many great blessings and opportunities in front of me, and I've just had to capture them. I've just had to grab that ball and run with it. I like to think that along the way I've picked up so many skills. I've experienced so many things that are going to help me. At the end of the day, we know how this works. This is a young man's game. You can't fall down your whole life. 
You have to get to a point where you can you, where you can transition, where you can continue to connect and create new, fresh, evolved content for your fan base and your supporters. I think I have the ability to do that. At the end of the day, it's about being thrown in that fire and seeing how you do. I have a pretty good track record of being thrown in the deep end. If that's what happens in Hollywood, I'm looking to swim. So Roman Reigns is putting it out there, Dr. Trey. It's, this should not be a surprise to anybody that he may be following, following the path of his cousin, The Rock, and uh, most recently, John Cena, into the world of Hollywood. And he may be leaving WWE sooner rather than later. What are your thoughts on this? Because this is a pretty big deal uh, that he's throwing it out there. Like, what could be the time frame? Is it less than a year's time? It's a little over a year? It's at one to two years? I mean, Reigns is, like, to me right now, is in his prime so it would be a shame to see him leave the world of professional wrestling currently, but I'm not shocked by this because I figured that he would make this move at some point. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think he makes the move at some point. And I do think a lot. some of this is kind of working the audience. I mean, you go back to, you know, Survivor Series, the egg stuff, you know, and him throwing out the line of, oh, yeah, the $100 million, that's about what my next contract is going to be. It just kind of seems ironic that they bring that up. And then this talk starts happening. I think this is going to be kind of worked into his storyline a little bit. So that way the rock can either transition back to being the top baby face at some point and get a run as well with that way. So I don't see it happening. I think, I think here before long, he will take a break because I mean, he's coming up on almost a year and a half now as the champion on SmackDown. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a break and leave for a little bit, spend some time with the family, everything else. Um, and then make a triumphant return because if he studied this business, like I know he has and being a student of the game, you know, we talk about absence makes the hydro fonder when Cena would, you know, when Cena was at this point and he would take off for a couple months, come back, huge response, merchandise sales jumps up when the rock would do it towards the end of his official WWE run, same thing. So to me, this is him kind of copying their playbook. And plus he can look at it and go, listen, you know, Cena didn't start out, the top star movies. He would go be the secondary character or the third character, get his feet wet. Rock, you know, yeah, he started out in, you know, the, the, the mummy and got his first exposure there. Then he got the Scorpion King. And then, you know, it was never the big budget movies until later down the road. So if you just follow the playbook, hey, take a movie, take a couple months off, come back, run for about four or five months, get merchandise sales, take off for a couple months, do another movie, and follow that approach. And I think that would increase his longevity and capitalize on his popularity because I don't think the rock wants to go down as the greatest, you know, heel in WWE. I think he wants to get back to being that top beloved guy that the fans just want to buy everything they put out there for him. So at some point they're going to, they're going to end up flipping him. Yeah. I'm, uh, this is not surprising news. I'm not a big movie guy. Uh, wasn't reigns in a movie recently with rock. Was it, was it like Hobbs? The, the spinoff yeah, the they Hobbs, did. Yeah. The Hobbs and Shaw movie because the I think the final battle scene they went back to Samoa and Hobbs reconnected with his Samoan heritage and you know Roman was one of those guys. Now did he have a big role in that movie? Not a huge role. I mean he was really like the last he was in like the last like uh twenty to thirty minutes of the movie. So he's like the final boss. Well he was Rock's backup when all the bad villains came to the island to fight him and Shaw. Like Rock got his whole family and uh. Roman was one of the uh, Rock's you know cousins that backed him up in that big fight scene but he had his moments where you saw a superman punch you saw a spear you know like they highlighted him over all the rest of the family in those moments but it was he was still like a background secondary character in the, in the battle scenes 
Roman Reigns is 36 years old. He'll be 37 in May of next year. So he is certainly getting up there in age, Dr. Trey. Um, legitimately, what do you think? What's what's the timeline here? Full-time wrestling Roman Reigns. How many years do you think we got left of him? Uh, full-time. Well, okay, so if you go off my scale, I think we got to probably about another – see, we're, we're at January. So I think WrestleMania, he'll probably drop off for a few months. Or something you think he drops the title? At WrestleMania, yeah. See, I think he's holding on to it for a long time still. No, nah, I see. To me, like, you don't get, I mean, unless they're just going to be like, hey, we're going to reset all the record books with you on top. I mean, he's coming up on 400, like, CM Punk went, what, 434 days? Mm-hmm. And Roman's about there right now if he hasn't passed it. And then Brock was right around two years. So I can see them running it up to, to top Brock um, because and I think in their minds, Roman's one of those guys like Cena, like Roman's going to be a WWE guy for life. So we can always then bring him back as a special attraction for a couple months here and there. So I think he's got maybe, you know, probably all the way through WrestleMania on this run, take a couple months off, come back for a year. And then probably when he's about 40, is when he starts going to part time because I think that's about when Cena really started going part time was when he hit, when he hit thirty nine forty years old. Uh, Lesnar held the championship for five hundred and four days. Um, he is recognized as five hundred three for some reason. Reigns is currently I don't understand that. Thanks Wikipedia. Uh, he is currently standing at uh, Roman Reigns is at four hundred fifty eight days as champion. I thought he was going to have like a Walter. NXT UK championship esque run. Like I thought Reigns is gonna I think Reigns is gonna hold on this title for like two years. Like I don't see anybody on the roster right now stopping him other than Lesnar or maybe McIntyre. See, I think it's all the build up to get back to McIntyre. Like uh, McIntyre is already my pick McIntyre's already my pick to win the Rumble. So <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. Um You're you're giving uh, spoilers to the first show of the yeah, year already. Yeah, Thanks yeah, for the holiday yeah. programming. There you go. I'm just helping everybody out. Christmas comes early. Um, <laughs> but to me, I, to me, I don't think WWE counts the Walter run in their eyes in a way because a lot of that was pandemic time. And NXT UK was kind of shut down. So I think if they can get him past Lesnar, which is literally two months away, that puts you into January heading into WrestleMania. So he could put that record up there at WrestleMania and McIntyre beat him. And I think, you know, they'd be happy with Reigns having the longest run in in recent times. I didn't realize he'd already passed Punk, so uh, that's impressive in itself. Yeah, so he's chasing Lesnar right now, uh, but yeah, it, it's strange. You know, it's I think probably years ago people would be like okay with Reigns leaving, but uh, I'm not okay with him leaving right now. I think this is the best Roman Reigns we have ever seen his entire career. Oh yeah, I agree. But I mean, if you had if you had McIntyre, here's the other thing: if you have McIntyre beat Reigns at WrestleMania after beating Brock two years ago, that sets you up for McIntyre being the guy for the next three to four years, and then Roman can kind of pick and choose his times, and then Roman comes back to save McIntyre from a beatdown from somebody else that they built up, and then Roman gets his run as you know the top babyface on one of the two shows. You know, and then can leave and come back, and then they can start treating Roman like they've done Brock all these years as the special attraction. Yeah, I could see that. I, I could see that. Um, 
I don't know. I just feel like we need like another year or two of the current Roman Reigns to kind of appreciate him into reaching that legendary status. And then becomes the pro the, the whole the, the debate after this, which could be a show in its star itself. It's like, who's the next guy after Reigns at this point? Yeah, but you also got to have Roman go out it, before Roman fully transitions into John Cena, Rock part time. He's got to have a good babyface run. Um, you know, he's got to have that. You know that 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 time to shine. Like as much as we love the Rock as a heel, we also remember how great Rock was as a babyface. And right now, this heel run is overshadowing everything he did as a babyface. So he needs to come back and have that, you know, year long, year and a half long run as a top baby face in the company. So that way you can kind of look at him at like you look at a Hogan or a Macho Man where they had they were great as heels and they're great as baby faces. Right now, he's an elite heel. And I think if you look back over his career, he was a really good baby face, but he needs that really top elite run as a baby face. He was, and that's what made people puke and, and some people on this show leave the WrestleMania 34 main event when he was babyface. Switching gears, last thing I want to get to, Dr. Trey, before we preview and predict NXT War Games, which is the last pay-per-view we will be predicting in the year 2021, is mentoring in wrestling right now is the new craze, and it makes so so much sense. Let's take a look at uh, both in WWE and AEW right now. Uh, Starting with Raw, you got almost being mentored by AJ Styles on SmackDown, Rich Holland being mentored by Sheamus on Raw, Riddle being mentored by Randy Orton, SmackDown, Rick Boogs being mentored by Shinsuke Nakamura, keeping on SmackDown, Madcap Moss being mentored by Happy Corbin, in AEW, you've got Cody Rhodes and Aaron Anderson, FTR and Tully Blanchard, Darby Allin and Sting, Jungle Boy and Christian Cage, and then you got Matt Hardy and the uh, entire Hardy family office. It's a concept that we haven't seen too much of in professional wrestling until like recent memory, and it was really working right now in WWE and AEW. I got to get tip my hat to AEW first because they were the ones that were really doing it, but you're seeing it carry over to WWE as well. And it's a concept that's getting a lot of these newer, younger stars over more than they would have just on their own. And I'm really enjoying like this this kind of theory that they're that they're testing around in in most wrestling promotions. Yeah, and I mean, and you can go even throw there. You got, you got MVP with the Hurt business, True. and then MVP and Lashley, Ray and Dominic. True. Yeah, yeah. Mentorship. And I can't believe you forgot this one, Jeff Beck. Apollo Cruz and Commander Aziz. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh huh. Leave Apollo off this list, but no, it makes a ton of sense because a those guys, the younger guys are getting the experience in working with veterans who have been around the business. They know all the ins and outs, all the tricks of the trade. All those things, and it's kind of, and like you said, it's getting these younger guys over. So if you know if Shinsuke decides to go back to Japan, Rick Boogs is over. If if Happy Corbin decides that he's not happy anymore and he wants to be a king, you got Madcap. You know Moss is getting over. You see it with Sting and Darby. You see, like you said, you, you, it makes a ton of sense in in those lights. And then even when you look at just like you know the Tolly is basically he's a mentor but he's actually the manager and it creates opportunities for managers in wrestling where you see your uh malcolm bivens and in your um stones in in aid or excuse me in nxt so you still robert stone excuse me you still see those managers pop up and i'm hoping the next thing that he does is start bringing in some managers like Tolly and, and and arn and those kind of guys to kind of help also mentor this plus those older guys don't have to do all the work in the ring. The younger guys can take a lot of the big bumps. So you're saving the bodies of your veterans as well. So 
it works on a, on a multitude of platforms for all the talent involved. Uh, Dr. Trey, who is the next wrestler that you think should get a mentor next? Anywhere, AWWE, wherever. Ah, man, that's a good question. Who do I like that needs a little bit of help? Um, man, you, I mean, we got Taz working with Ricky Starks. I, I really liked Brian Cage needs somebody with him. Brian Cage needs an advocate. He needs a mouthpiece. I mean, if you put a guy like Paul Heyman with a Brian Cage, like that guy would be so over. Brian Cage's biggest issue is he looks like a mach- he looks like a killer, but he talks like Chucky. Like he just his voice does not match his body. It just doesn't. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, doesn't work out right. Um, but he'd be at the top of my list. Uh, I mean, God, if you put Scott Steiner with Braun Breaker mm. as the mouthpiece, and hey, we got a little bit of a throwaway line calling him what? What they call him? Big uh, bad booty nephew. Yes. I mean, if Scott Steiner showed up in WWE, which, I mean, I, God knows that's probably never going to happen because of the history. But you put a Scott Steiner with Braun Breaker and Scott's at ringside cutting a lot of the promos and Braun's and learning from him, like, that would be great. I mean, that was Braun Strowman's biggest issue. I like Braun Strowman, but his promos were never good. He needed somebody to kind of build him up. If, if Heyman had been with Braun Strowman, God bless, people would have been lost their minds for how great the promos were and then Braun just running through people. You know, those monsters that can't cut promos are the guys that need the mouthpieces with them to draw the people in. Because if you can't cut a good promo, you're not selling the people on, on the storyline that you're working through. I'll throw one out there. I like the Braun Breaker. Uh, nearly Rick Steiner, his father, was uh, reportedly close to appearing on NXT uh, Halloween Havoc. Uh, I think Ch- Ciampa said that during an interview. And then they like... Yeah, Rick- he, he Rick, what's that? Rick was, I say Rick was never a great promo guy, though. I think so that was, was probably nice more tied to the Chucky stuff, if I had to guess as well. Yeah, I think that they were going to run with him doing that. Uh, no, he was not a great promo guy. Uh, I'll throw one name out there: Orange Cassidy. I think could use a mentor. Yeah, but I mean, is there anybody out there in you know wrestling lore? Excuse me, that's still lingering around that would fit the Orange Cassidy character. You know, most of the mentors you see lined up kind of fit with the, I mean, Shinsuke and Rick Boos just does not make sense. I don't know how that works, but it does. Um, and I think it's literally just the theme song, but you know, I mean, I don't know if there's anybody else that you could put with Orange Cassidy and go, yeah, that those guys make a lot of sense in that pairing. Like, you know, you look at some of these guys, like, totally fits with FTR so well. Arn and Cody, because of their family history, makes a lot of sense. You know, you saw it a little bit, like, originally with Vicky or with a Chavo and Andrade. Like, it that would, made it sense. It would have to be, like, a, um odd couple pairing. Like, I'm thinking Rob Van Dam and Orange Cassidy would be hilarious. <laughs> See? You laugh. Well, no, because in my head, the other day when I was watching NXT, in my head, Rob Van Dam should be the shaman for MSK. Maybe he yeah. is. I, maybe. Because <laughs> I was like, it would make a ton of... Like, Rob Van Dam and Matt Riddle would make a ton yeah, of sense that's as well. true. That's you true. Know? I also thought, like, Mick Foley and Orange Cassidy would be pretty funny as well. Yeah, like, like with Orange Cassidy, you'd almost have to put him with um, Terry Taylor when he was doing Terrence Taylor. <laughs> you know, like, you would need that super uptight 
guy to balance out Orange Cassidy or super intense wrestler. Um, oh, I was trying to think. Like if, if Dr. Nesty Williams or Terry Bam Bam Gordy was alive and for some reason they took Orange Cassidy in the ring. You know, it's like the guy with like the utmost, like Walt, like a guy like Walter whose character is the respect and everything else and then you put him with an Orange Cassidy. Like that oddball pairing. But really, like, I mean, if, if it ever happened, Orange Cassidy and Matt Riddle working together would be fantastic as well. It would be. I do like Rob Van Dam and Riddle as well. And I think that would be very funny if MSK, uh, the shaman, is Rob Van Dam because that would make so much sense. Uh, all right, Dr. Trey, it is time now for the very last time in 2021 to predict a pay-per-view wrestling event. We've done them all from AEW, NXT, and WWE, and it's the last one, NXT, not TakeOver War Games, preview and predictions. We go into this one very, very tight. Dr. Trey's leading 2021 pay-per-view predictions, 140 to mine, 99 and 42. So a one-match lead, Dr. Trey, as we approach the final pay-per-view. Let's get to it here for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship Roderick Strong defends against Joe Gacy. Dr. Trey, let's start with you. Who do you like in this one? I have no idea. Uh, did you actually watch – I have to ask this. Did you watch NXT 2.0 this week? I did watch NXT 2.0 this week. I, once again, you have the edge because I, I literally caught uh, – Now this is putting pressure on me. Yeah, but I don't know who the good guy is in this match. Well, I think if anybody was watching, they would struggle with that as well. Yeah, so um, I'm going to take – Roderick Strong, just because I still think they're trying to build up the diamond mine, so I will take Roderick to retain. Uh, I am going to go with Joe Gacy on this one. Um, There are rumors out there that they may be phasing out the Cruiserweight Championship, so uh, the all-inclusive title would would be pretty interesting. So Dr. going with Roderick Strong. I'm going with Joe Gacy. This one's a hard one to pick. Hair versus hair match. Cameron Grimes taking on Duke Hudson. Uh, I want to pick Cameron Grimes because I think they're trying to do a makeover with him, but I'm going to go with Duke Hudson, Dr. Trey. I'm going to say Duke Hudson. Excuse me. I'm going to go with Cameron Grimes winning Duke Hudson to uh, get his head shaved. So I'm picking Cameron Grimes here. So here, here, here's in, in full disclosure. As you mentioned his match, I cannot picture Duke Hudson. He looks like Wade Barrett in a way. That just shows you how out of the loop I am on this right now. So I'm going to take Cameron Grimes because I think Cameron Grimes bald would be horrible. Are you really um, not watching NXT 2.0? I'm sorry. Not really. No. <laughs> Man, could you imagine really. a point in this the history of the show if we were like, yeah, I'm not watching NXT anymore? It's, it's just like for some reason my Tuesday nights are really hard to get home because I think it's because I'm really at the point now with my family where – I have to give them one night of TV to watch. And in, I like you were mentioning earlier about which shows you like. I'm like, I always watch wrestling on Friday nights, and I watch wrestling on Wednesday nights. Mondays are hit and miss. Tuesdays and Thursdays are the days the family gets to pick what they watch because my Sundays are tied up with NFL. True, so, true, true. Sorry for the interruption. Sorry for the interruption. Go for it. Yeah, so uh, – but I, like – I also go back to the million dollar belt stuff, and Cameron Grimes kind of got screwed in that whole thing as well. So I'm going to take Cameron Grimes winning a big pay per view match and keeping his hair, uh, because also the hat would look really weird on a bald head as well. Uh, true, true. Uh, next match here for the NXT Tag Team Championship uh, Imperium defends against Kyle O'Reilly and Dr. Trey Silver wrestler Von Wagner. Dr. Trey, who do you like in this one? 
Uh, I like Imperium because I think they are the closest thing that NXT has to what FTR was as far as a pure tag team. Like, Barthel and Eichner work so well together. And, you know, full disclosure, Fabian Eichner and I are friends on Facebook, and he's a complete freak of nature. Um, I think this is the breakup of Wagner and, and, and Kyle O'Reilly anyway, so I'm going to take Imperium to win. Uh, I'm going to take Imperium to win as well. So here we go, two in a row that uh, we have. Uh, then the War Games match, women's style, Dr. Trey, Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Cora Jade, and Kaylee Ray taking on Dakota Kai and Toxic Attractions, Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolan, and J.C. Jane. Uh, this one is a hard one to pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Dakota Kai and Toxic Attraction to win this War Games match, though. Uh, and we're going to differ on this one because I think with all the accolades Toxic Attraction is getting and their belts not being on the line, they can afford the loss where Raquel and the rest of the girls kind of need that that win to kind of get their momentum going again. So I'm going to take uh, the Raquel Gonzalez team uh, to win. Although Toxic Attraction is uh, one of my favorite things in wrestling right now because Mandy Rose is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. So. Yeah, they've, they've done a very good job with them on NXT yeah. as a trio so far. Uh, and then finally, the last match we predict in 2021, Dr. Trey, men's War Games match. Team Black and Gold, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne, and L.A. Knight taking on Team 2.0, Braun Breaker, Camarillo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo. Who do you like in this one, Dr. Trey? See, this one is hard for me to pick because, once again, you have some guys who are kind of baby faces and some guys who are kind of heels on the same team, so I don't know who really to root for. But considering we are living in the era of NXT 2.0, I'm going to take Team 2.0 to actually get the win uh, because that way they can kind of solidify their spot as the next generation of NXT. Uh, and I am going to take Team 2.0 as well. There's a lot of rumors out there about Johnny Gargano's status. Uh, I feel like this would have been a much bigger deal if 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 they gave it a little bit more time uh, and built towards it and, and went with the old school versus the new school. But here we are. Uh, it's funny that they're pushing NXT 2.0, and you've got like fans booing uh, NXT 2.0. Um, so, with that said, uh, before we give our uh, our sponsors for this week's show and, and and our plugs before we close up shop, real quick shout out to Beth Phoenix who announced today that she's departed from the NXT announce team. She's been phenomenal on the uh, the stick since she came to NXT three years ago. Usually, we brag on people when they're really bad and don't talk about it when they're really good. Beth Phoenix has been amazing as part of the commentary team. So uh, best wishes to Beth Phoenix. And hopefully she's going to be involved in a Miz Edge feud here momentarily. Uh, with that said, let's get a couple plugs and sponsors of the way. You can download this show every Thursday at TheBowerShow.com, WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Still Real to Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us sign the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself, at SRTU Jeff, and for Dr. Trey Franklin, at the Dr. Trey. And, of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. You search out Dr. Trey Franklin. You'll find me there. When you're on Facebook, check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling. Uh, as we just had a, a, a big show this past uh, Saturday and tomorrow, or excuse me, this Saturday night, December 4th, Jeff, Rocket City celebrating five year anniversary. Uh, so be sure to check out when we get the video up there. I'll have the video from our previous show on our SCTU page when this is available for download. So you can check me out on commentary, and then you'll be able to see me again for our five-year anniversary show. Cannot believe Rocket City is turning five. Rocket City can go to kindergarten, Jeff. It's crazy. 
Uh, congratulations to Rocket City champ Chip Resson on their five-year anniversary. Uh, we're approaching 12, so we're getting closer and closer to getting our driver's license and being teenagers oh. and telling our parents to go screw off. Uh, one more year until we do that. Uh, but one last thing before we close up shop on this week's edition of show. Holiday programming schedule reminder for you all. On the 23rd of this month, our Christmas wishes for professional wrestling in 2022, and we listen back to our 2021 bold predictions. On the 30th, last show of the year, the 2021 SRT Award Show Special, and we preview and predict WWE Day 1 pay-per-view. Uh, and then the first show of the year on January 6, 2022. It's our 2022 Wrestling Preview Show, WrestleMania 38 card, and 2022 Bold Predictions special edition of SRTU. And, of course, we will recap and review WWE Day 1 pay-per-view. So, until next week, thank you for making us part of your week. Stay safe out there. This is The Still Ruthless Show. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.